Hey everybody and welcome back to Church Public where we look at current events from a Christian perspective so that you can live out your faith. Today on Church Public National Archives, the the museum, the institute bars people from entering because they were wearing shirts that were pro-life. Yes, in the place where the actual constitution resides, free speech as well, not free. Also, poor Mr. Beast is in trouble. If you don't know who that is, we'll talk about it a little bit, but he is not in trouble for what you might think he's in trouble for. The FBI is after Catholics because, well, apparently they believe the Bible and who knows what's going on there. California teacher is fired for not hiding gender transitions from parents. Speaking of free speech, poor Roald Dahl, you know, of Willy Wonka, James and the Giant Peach, etc., he is being censored and rewritten, even though he's dead, uh, because, well, he called people fat, among other things. Yes, this is a real story, and we'll really look at it. All this and more here on Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. Really appreciate you stopping by. I am your host, as always, Matt Odegaard. And on this show, we look at current events from a Christian perspective so that you know how to live out your faith. That's my goal. That's my goal for you so that you don't just have a faith that resides somewhere in between Sunday and Sunday, that every day of the week you are doing something to grow your faith. I hope that you make it personal. I hope that you have a relationship with Jesus. I hope that you read your Bible every day so that you know who God is and how to live in this world. But beyond that, I'm just trying to help you out with the world's craziness and all the crazy things that are going on in it. And in order to look at the world from a current event perspective, we're going to try to take a Christian uh, Christian view so we can act Christianly. We can act like a Christian in this. So anyway, if you haven't already, hit the like, the subscribe, all the buttons, hit all the things. If you missed some episodes, go back and check that out at churchpublic.com. If you want to see the video, churchpublic.com slash podcasts. Uh, you can go to YouTube as well. Most of them are on there. Some of the other ones are in different places like Rumble because they didn't make it onto YouTube. Long story there, but also uh, the audio is available pretty much anywhere. So audio listener, I love you. I thank you. We're not doing too much video today, so you're going to be just fine. I will show a couple of pictures just for illustration, but I'll try to describe them if we need to. So uh, after all of that, let's go ahead and get to some news. So we have the National Archives. Uh, again, the National Archives, if you weren't sure, is the place where the Constitution of the United States lives, right? That That's where it actually lives. Uh, it's actually called the, uh, let me get the name right here, the National Archives um, Museum. And it's the National Archives and Records Administration, NARA. I'll try to say National Archives every time, but I'm reading off of the uh, Christian Post um, uh, article in this one. So Anyway, the National Archives Museum in Washington, D.C. has apologized and agreed to provide a personal tour to a pair of visitors who sued the Federal Records Agency last week after being told to cover up their pro-life attire when visiting on the morning of the March for Life. So uh, if you don't recall, the March for Life happened in Washington, D.C., a great celebration of now the overturning of Roe versus Wade so that we can save more poor babies who are getting killed at an alarming rate. So that's really good. But this group of people 
people showed up to the National Archives, presumably to look at the Constitution, the Declaration, the myriad of other uh, fantastic historic documents that are there. And they were told, no, you can't come in until you cover up the shirts that you're wearing. According to this article from the Christian Post, the plaintiffs allege they visited the museum on January 20th with their daughters and over 30 members of their Catholic school class. Um, the, uh, the lawsuit, excuse me, claims security offers, quote, chilled their religious speech by requiring plaintiffs to remove or cover their attire because of their pro-life messages. There were hats, buttons, other attire with various messages that included life is a human right and life always wins. Very, very scary, very scary wording there. All right, continue on. So uh, in a statement Friday, the National Archives and Records Administration apologized for the incident, citing its status as, quote, the home of the original Constitution and Bill of Rights, which enshrined First Amendment rights, end quote. So hopefully you can see the irony in that. At any rate, National Association, I'm sorry, the National Archives policy expressly allows all visitors, I'm just reading, this is their policy, the National Archives policy expressly allows all visitors to wear T-shirts, hats, buttons, etc. that display protest language, including religious and political speech. The National Archives statement reads. So in other words, they actually had a policy in place that said it's okay to have protest speech on. And yet they said, yeah, but not that kind of protest, right? That That's, anyway, this is the world we're living in. So uh, continuing on in this article... When one of our clients questioned the order, in other words, one of the Catholic visitors, a National Archives security officer said the apparel would, in, quote, incite others and that she was disturbing peace, end quote. Yet when another of our clients was told her T-shirt was offensive and had to be covered up or removed, her shirt read, here, listen to this, simply, this is what the shirt read, this is offensive and disturbing the peace, and it read, quote, March for Life. 2014, St. Cecilia's Youth Group, end quote. <laughs> that is, I'm telling you, that is very offensive. Anyway, continuing on, perhaps the most disturbing of all were the National Archives security officers who instructed a whole group of Catholic students and chaperones to remove or cover up all their religious and pro-life clothing while standing in the same room as the Constitution of the United States. Again, hopefully the irony is not lost on you because it is not lost on me. All right, there we go. That's National Archives. Let us tune into poor Mr. Beast. Now, uh, for those who don't know Mr. Beast, here we go. I've got a picture of him right here. Um, if you don't know Mr. Beast or don't have teenagers, that's maybe the only way you would not know about Mr. Beast. Um, he is, I think he's the number one YouTuber of per current and probably all time. Uh, if you have never seen his videos, you're probably welcome. Not that there's anything in particularly bad about them. They're just ridiculous. Um, I unfortunately have seen a bunch of them because my teenagers and especially teenage boys just really like watching them. So I've seen a bunch of them, but he is under fire. Now, the reason he's under fire is going to surprise you because you're going to think, well, it's a it's an immorality scandal. It's a it's it's a financial scandal. It's whatever. No, no. The reason that he's under fire is that he gave a bunch of money away. <laughs> so that's it. He's under fire because because he gave away a bunch of money and, and wait until you hear exactly why he gave away a bunch of money. Now, he has given away millions and millions of dollars. That's kind of part of his thing. Uh, if you don't know, uh, I'll read a little from this article. This article is from the World News. Um, 
And this is uh, Daniel Darling, I believe, is the author of this article. So I'm actually going to read a little bit of this because he says it very well. He says, you probably don't know who Mr. Beast is unless you have a middle school or teenage son. Correct. That is exactly what I said. And uh, for whatever it is, I do. The YouTube star, whose name is Jimmy Donaldson, is the platform's most successful creator ever. So there you go. That was uh, that was my guess. And fortunately, I was correct in that. Having amassed 131 million subscribers. That is a lot of people, people. 131 million subscribers. Last year, apparently, he earned $54 million, mostly from YouTube. I'm clearly in the wrong business. Which feature mostly harm sense, generous giveaways, uh, regularly get between 70 and 100 million views. And just for reference, the uh, Super Bowl in 2022, so not this one that just happened. I don't know the store on that one, but the last one was 99 million viewers. So that is basically the average uh, or maybe the the above average of his normal videos watched the Super Bowl. That's the scale that we're talking about here, right? So um, despite going on in this article from uh, Daniel Darling, despite providing mostly harmless, wholesome entertainment for young kids, Donaldson finds himself in hot water, not for moral or financial scandal, but for the social media crime of caring too much, according to this article, which is entirely true. His latest video features him paying for cataract surgery for 1,000 people who could not afford the operation. I mean, is there not a better thing to do? Like, he, these people were legit blind. If you haven't seen this video, by the way, I didn't clip it because I don't know what the permissions are on that, and you can go and look it up on YouTube if you want to, but he gave 1,000 people literal sight. <sighs> what a guy. Um... He goes on to say, this is a quote from Donaldson, a.k.a. Mr. Beast, quote, unfortunately, nearly half the population with curable blindness, again, cataracts, don't have access to this surgery. So I wanted to provide this to as many people as possible. He says the doctor who performed the surgeries, there's a 10 minute surgery that can eliminate blindness. So there's no reason that half of all these people should be blind. So, again, go and watch this video. It's incredible. They experience sight for the first time. A thousand people. His stated mission is to give away all of his money before he dies. That's I mean, the sky is fairly philanthropic. Now, is this Christian? Not really. But is he? doing good things? Yes, absolutely. And I I can applaud that. It's great that he's doing good things. It's great that he's realized that generosity is a value. Whether or not he connects that to Christ, we can pray. We can pray that he will, but that's beside the point here. Because what happens is he's in the middle of a social media storm because his generosity offended a bunch of people. Yes, the fact that he literally gave blind people their sight among a bunch a bunch of other things that he has paid for over the years uh really really frustrated social media they were yelling at him uh, for all kinds of things uh they said that uh because he does this you should do socialized medicine he said because he has made all this money he's bad so the fact that he has made money is bad fact that he's giving away money apparently is also bad because you're not supposed to make money even if you give away all your money you just can't win for losing he went on to say quote uh or or if you're not familiar with memeology i it's hard for me to explain this but this is essentially a meme he says twitter rich people shouldn't help others with their money me okay i'll use my money to help people and i'll promise to give away all my money before i die twitter mr beast bad 
This is the world we're living in, people. Um, Daniel Darling goes on to say, only in an upside-down culture such as ours is the act of giving money away to those who are in need is a bad thing. And yet, apparently, for the would-be socialists online, none of whom seem to be giving their own resources away to fund surgeries for blindness, it is the very achievement of success that is the crime. Even though Donaldson, a.k.a. Mr. Beast, has pledged to give away all of his money in his life, the fact that he earned it in the first place is unforgivable. And since meeting human needs, according to this ideology, should ever only be done by the government, all philanthropy is bad. Well said, Mr. Darling. Well said. Um, he goes on to say, we might be grateful that on a platform that is often a cesspool of moral filth, again, well said, in a world where celebrities use their platforms for nefarious or selfish ends, vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Grammys, as we looked at last time, in a world where the powerful exploit the poor, here is a young man who not only produces wholesome content, but uses his wealth for good. Scripture says, blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Proverbs 14, 21. Again, Mr. Darling, well said. Appreciate your uh, status there. And uh, I, I guess I'll just end on that one. Like, pray for Mr. Beast because he needs to find some Jesus and connect what he knows to be good with the actual spiritual value of being generous to the poor. So we can, uh, we can pray for him and hope that he finds some Jesus somewhere along the line. Continuing on to the FBI. Meanwhile, the FBI is warning that, um, well, I guess Catholics are dangerous again. I, the, I don't, I don't know where these things come from people, but, but we just got to talk about them apparently because this is, this is what's happening. So uh, this article is from the Christian post uh, by Ryan Foley. According to this article, the FBI's Richmond office circulated a document classifying quote, radical traditionalist Catholic ideology as a potential national security threat. In other words, to be a Catholic and follow Catholic teaching, and uh, I know I'm a Protestant, and so I know there are differences in theology, but let's just take the mainline core of theology here of uh, biblical marriage and a husband and one wife and uh, males or males and females or females. I mean, even if you just stop at that and, and don't, you know, kill babies, you know, like if you, if you just put those things on, this FBI is saying those things are a national security threat. Apparently. On January 23rd, 2023, the FBI's Richmond field office published an official document that linked radically or ethnically motivated violent extremists, which they have an acronym for, RMVEs, with a radical traditionalist Catholic ideology. They wrote, the document, which has been, uh, excuse me, uh, that's what they wrote. So, so again, they are connecting, I guess, having Catholic doctrine with being a radical extremist? I, I don't even know at this point what's going on, but it is it, it suffice to say, like, we should be paying attention to this. Um, this article goes on to say the document, which has been rescinded by the FBI's headquarters, in other words, they took it back, warned that the increasingly observed interest of racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, again, RMVEs, why do we have to have an acronym for everything? All right, side note. In radical traditionalist Catholic ideology almost certainly presents opportunities for threat mitigation through exploration of new avenues for tripwire and source development. My goodness, that was a lot of words to say. Catholics who follow Catholic teaching could be trouble because they don't agree with culture. That's that's my interpretation. You can read this article. You can go and read the document. There, the source document is available. You can read it if you want to. Um, but I'm just saying. Um, let's see. There's more here. The FBI Richmond Field Office defined 
radical Catholics as those typically characterized by the rejection of Second Vatican Council, Vatican II, as a valid church council disdain for most of the popes elected since Vatican II, which, by the way, have been very liberal and not conservative. So (laughs) what they're saying between the lines is here, if you are a conservative Catholic, a conservative quote-unquote Christian, and you believe the things that the Bible says you believe traditional marriage and men are men and and those types of things, uh, then that's bad. Uh, let's see. Is there more here? Oh, yeah. So frequent adherence. This is the uh, RTC or, or radical um, Catholics is frequent adherence to anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant, anti-LGBTQAIP, hashtag plus plus dollar sign and white supremacist ideology. Now, where are they getting that? I don't know. I don't know where they're getting that. I mean, I can only assume they're getting that because when a man is a man and a woman is a woman and marriage is between a man and a woman, then LGBT and marriage, you know, they just are what they are. So I don't know what this explains. Not very much. Let's read a little bit more here. After the FBI Richmond office report was criticized by former FBI agent, the FBI headquarters acknowledged It does not, quote, meet the exacting standards of the FBI, end quote. They went on to say, oh, quote, uh, upon learning of the document, the FBI headquarters quickly began taking action to remove the document from the FBI systems and conduct a review of the basis for the document. A statement from the FBI headquarters read, the FBI is committed to sound analytic tradecraft and to investigating and preventing acts of violence and other crimes while upholding the constitutional rights of Americans and will never conduct investigative activities or open an investigation based solely on First Amendment protected activity except they were going to, right? So here, here's what I see. The FBI got caught going after religious believers who disagree with the culture about marriage, LGBTQ, AAIP, hashtag plus plus dollar sign ideology. And they quickly tried to memory hold this whole thing. But make no mistake, the culture doesn't like you. The culture wants to silence you. This culture hates God. And if you align with God, you can be sure the culture will hate you too. That's just the reality of the world that we live in. And for whatever reason, the FBI connected those dots and I guess tried to weaponize it. I don't know what else to say. Um, Brian Birch, the president of advocacy organization Catholic Vote, outlined concerns about the rescinded FBI memo in this statement, quote, the FBI's partnership with a discredited left-wing activist organization directly violates agency guidelines and makes a mockery of the DOJ's Department of Justice claim to fairly and impartially apply the law. Further, the growing pattern of hostility toward Catholics by the Biden administration from its failure to properly address violence against Catholic churches to the relentless persecution of innocent pro-life advocates deserves far more scrutiny by this Congress. Retracting this memo isn't nearly enough. End quote. Remember, we had um, the arrest of Mark Hawk last Uh, I think it was September, talked about that a couple of times. He was just acquitted by a federal jury. um, And he, you know, remember he had like pushed a guy who was verbally assaulting his kid. And so he was going to get 11 years in prison because of this. And he was acquitted for it. But they, the, the thing about that particular story is that the FBI showed up full suit, weapons out, to arrest him in front of his family, in front of his kids, in front of his wife for the crime of standing in front of an abortion center and saying, hey, let's not kill babies. So 
this is where we've got to figure out what is going on. Is the FBI really using their office to, um, are they really using their office to aim at those that just disagree, disagree with culture, disagree with the radical ideas about marriage and gender that this culture has. And, and these are just, I mean, I'll keep an eye on this, this report. It seems like the FBI was caught red handed in this. Does that mean they don't believe what they wrote? Does that mean they don't believe this order that they had? Does that mean that they won't try to do this again when no one's watching? I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens in that. All right. Speaking of weird circumstances in California. Uh, I know, California. Like, what are we going to do? But we're going back to California for a moment. So this is about a California teacher. And uh, the story caught my eye because, uh, well, I mean, I have close, uh, close relatives that are teachers. But beyond that, um, it's interesting to me because we need to talk about the education system. And I continuously talk about the education system because I think our kids are really, really important. Your kids are important. My kids are important. We need to really focus in on how we take care of our children. So this California teacher was forced to quit, but they were forced to quit because they would not hide students' pronouns from the parents. This is according to the New York Post. California teacher says she was fired from her job for refusing to conceal from parents the children's gender identity, which she claimed was against her Christian beliefs. She interviewed with Fox News Digital. Je Jessica Tapias said she planned to sue uh, Harupa United School District in Riverside, claiming religious discrimination. According to Tapias, her role as physical education teacher, she was expected to lie to her parents about the children's preferred pronouns and their gender tradition transitions. And that was something she said she could not do. Yep. She said, quote, I knew immediately in my gut, in my heart, in my soul, there was a decision I had to make because these two things were totally butting heads. I had to pick one. According to a notice sent to her, officials informed her they could not accommodate her religious beliefs that prevented her from withholding information related to gender uh, transition from her students' parents. So again, just to be really clear, she wanted to tell the parents what was going on with the kids. The California school district rules said she could not tell the parents what was going on with her, with the students that she taught. The students wanted to change their pronouns. The students wanted to use different bathrooms. She wanted to tell the parents, hey, your student is doing this. She was barred from doing that and then eventually fired because she really wanted to tell the parents what was going on with their students. Like, just just, just live in the backwards world where this is right. Where instead of being fired because you're hiding things from the parents, you're fired because you're telling things to the parents about their own students. This is the world we live in, people. This is the world. Um, the document said, quote, consequently, the district will release you from your employment effective at the end of day, January 31. And quote, Tapias explained under school district's policy, students have the right to privacy. If they choose to share with a teacher they are transitioning or that they wish to be referred to by pronouns, the teacher is required to keep that information from parents. Did you hear that? Required. This is the district's rules. If the student says, hey, I want to transition. If the student says, hey, I want to use these different pronouns, the teacher is required to not 
tell the parents. So she, the teacher, said, quote, I don't believe kids should have this privacy where their parents are being left in the dark about some pertinent information about their well-being. End quote. Correct. Thank you and well done. I am sorry that you got fired, but you did the right thing and it cost. But sometimes doing the right thing costs. Uh, she also said that she had barred students with, quote unquote, male genitals from accessing the girls' locker room in violation of district rules. So she said to men or boys that they could not go into the girls' locker room. And that was bad because that is a violation of district rules. You're not allowed to tell boys that cannot go in the girls' locker rooms and bathrooms. Thank you, California. She went on to say, and I quote, I believe firmly that God created man and woman, and you are who he made you to be. And when someone has confusion about that, I believe that's lies and confusion from the devil. End quote. Amen and amen. So, I mean, now speaking of words, and this is where... <laughs> I would say this is where the stories get really weird. Uh, but unfortunately, we're already in the really weird category. So we'll continue on. This is Roald Dahl. Um, you know, like Roald Dahl, the guy who did Willy Wonka. I mean, you remember Willy Wonka. Let's see. Do I have a picture of the Oompas? Uh, let's see. So here is the Oompa Loompas. I mean, look at these cute Oompa Loompas. Um, well, apparently, we can't really talk about Oompa Loompas anymore because... Because Roald Dahl's getting rewritten because you can't say words in reality anymore. I, I, I'm starting to lose it, people. So this is according to The Guardian. Um, the article is Roald Dahl books rewritten to remove language deemed offensive. <laughs> Roald Dahl's children book, children's books are being rewritten to remove language deemed offensive by the publisher Puffin. Puffin has hired – this is real – Puffin has hired sensitivity readers to rewrite chunks of the author's text to make sure the books, quote, can continue to be enjoyed by all today, end quote, including extensive changes across Dahl's work. You know, I'm going to pause here and and give this quote from our from our good friend George Orwell, who wrote 1984, a dystopian novel about uh, memory holding things. Like if you heard memory hold, that comes from there. Uh, Newspeak, that comes from there. Um <laughs> A lot of the quotes that we that we uh, that we talk about in regards to speech come from George Orwell's 1984. Here's a good one: "Quote: Every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue, street building has been renamed. Every date has been altered, and the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right." End quote. Yeah, that, that, this is the world that we're living in. We cannot read Willy Wonka, James and the Giant Peach, and other books by Roald Dahl, or really anybody else, because in them is offense. And you cannot offend anybody, because if you offend everybody or anybody, that is the ultimate sin. If you offend somebody, then you just have to leave the earth, apparently. Um, which really excludes every single book ever written until this moment, and probably even the ones that are being written right now, because you cannot possibly not offend everybody like you're going to offend everybody i mean even getting to like christian worldview the gospel is offensive it's offensive because it tells you that you are not good enough that's what it tells you it tells you you can't measure up it tells you you cannot possibly make it in this world on your own that's what the gospel tells you that's very offensive that's an incredibly offensive statement that's not me saying this that is the gospel that is god saying you have messed up so bad you can't possibly get 
any further. You, you can't get to heaven, of course. You're not good enough. You're not near good enough to get to heaven. Now, the good news of the gospel is that's not the end of the story. We have Jesus Christ who covers over our sins. If we believe in him and if we have faith in him and as if we accept him as the Lord of our life so that we can be reconciled with God and we are made white as snow, our sin, our ledger, our, our book of sins is wiped clean so that we don't have to deal with those because they are laid onto Jesus while he is on the cross and he is then resurrected and we will have resurrected life if we follow after him. But the first part of that is an incredibly offensive thing and this culture cannot take it, especially when they are rewriting Willy Wonka. So this is where we've got and uh, here's a couple of things that have been changed. Let's see. Um, some characters, if they were called fat, you can't say fat anymore. It's just been cut entirely. Ugly has been cut. You can't call anybody fat or ugly because that is offensive. So we can't have that in the book at all. Augustus Gloop in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is now just enormous instead of enormously fat, which, by the way, is exactly the same thing. So they've changed a word to make it exactly the same word. And the whole point of Augustus is he is incredibly large because he has no self-control and that is his vice. It is a story about different vices and how they are bad. That's the whole point of it. To say that he's not enormously fat eliminates the whole point of the character, which is in trouble, in sin, having vices. And through those vices, he is then not allowed, this is a spoiler, to be the keeper of the chocolate factory. If you haven't seen or read the book at this point, I don't know what to tell you. But his whole point, uh, the whole point of the character of Augustus is that he's fat because he eats everything in sight. To not say that just doesn't make any sense. You're rewriting this poor dead author's work to try to not offend people by using the word fat. I don't know what to tell you here, people. Like, we, we have literally lost our minds when we're getting to this. Uh, there's a book called The Witches where a paragraph explaining that the witches were bald beneath their wigs. <laughs> this is a good one. I'm sorry. So, the book, The Witches. There's a paragraph explaining the witches are bald beneath their wigs. Now it says... Quote, there are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. End quote. So <laughs> Dahl did not write that. It's not from him. It's these, uh, what, what were they called? It's these, um, these sensitivity readers who say, well, you can't call a woman bald because there's certainly nothing wrong with being bald. Sometimes people just wear wigs. That's okay, right? No, that's not what Dahl wrote. He wrote they're bald because witches are ugly, because you don't want to be a witch. How does nobody see this? The witch is the bad character. They're bald under their wigs because they're bad, because they're witches. It, I, I, I'm going to keep going, which is probably going to be a disaster, but we're going to keep going. Uh, James and the Giant Peach. Um, oh, this is a good one. In James and the Giant Peach, the centipede has a song, and the song is, Aunt Sponge was terrifically fat and tremendously flabby at that. Now, <laughs> since we can't say fat, it is... Um, Aunt Sponge was a nasty old brute and deserved to be squashed by the fruit. So you're still killing Aunt Sponge, but now she's not fat, so that's better. The, I, uh, do I want to read any more of these? I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> Oh, here's a good one. Same, same uh, song. Aunt Spiker was as thin as a wire and dry as a bone, only drier. But you can't say thin either than fat because apparently thin is also bad. So now Aunt Spiker was much of the same which is garbage poetry, by the way. Ant Spiker was much of the same. I, as, as sometimes a writer, 
That's garbage. Anyway, uh, Aunt Spiker was much of the same and deserves half the blame. That is garbage poetry. I'm sorry to say like whoever, whatever sensitivity trainer wrote this, like they're not good at poetry or English. So that's not even part of this. But anyway, uh, moving on. Um, oh, oh, here's <laughs> this is where it gets even better, people. This is where it gets even better. You also in Dahl's work now can't say female because <sighs> science. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where this comes from. Um, so Miss Trunchbull um, in Matilda. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, Dahl wrote Matilda as well. Great, great little story. Um, so Miss Trunchbull, once called, quote, the most formidable female, end quote, is now just a most formidable woman because you can't say female because female indicates that there might be gender involved in the world or sex or whatever conflation or unconflation they're trying to do uh, to just make words mean nothing. So female and woman are in fact the same, but why don't you just leave the author's words the way the author wrote them since he wrote them? I'll, I'll keep going on. Um, oh, yeah, there's a couple more of the gender neutral terms. Uh, the Oompa Loompas, again, I think I, I have, again, a picture of the Oompa Loompas. Here's the sweet and cute Oompa Loompas. Come on, who doesn't love Oompa Loompas? <laughs> so now the Oompa Loompas apparently are non-gendered, non-binary. Uh, I... People, seriously. So um, according to Puffin, the publisher and the sensitivity trainer writer people, um, the Oompa Loompas were small men now they are just small people because we don't know if they're men because that's important for oompa loompas who are oompa loompas all right um i i yeah so <laughs> i'll see if i can finish this story out um according to this article puffin and the doll story company made the changes in conjunction with inclusive minds which is the company that sponsored this whole thing its spokesperson describes as a, quote, collective for people who are passionate about inclusion and accessibility in children's literature, end quote. So basically they've destroyed an author's story because they wanted to. Alexandria, Alexandra Strick, co-founder of Inclusive Minds, say they, quote, aim to ensure authentic representation by working closely with the book world and with those who have lived experiences of any facet of diversity. And there it really is. So that that's the thing, right? Here, here's where we get with this whole thing. It is that truth and reality only come from lived experience. That That is the key. What we just heard is the key. It's that anyone who has lived experience in some kind of issue, their worldview, their reality, their truth, quote unquote, is the only thing that matters. Actual truth, actual reality, even authors' words don't matter because it's not lived experience, even though it is. And this whole thing crashes into itself once I run into you and you have lived experience and I have lived experience. We have different lived experience because lived experience doesn't matter at all because reality is reality. You can call it whatever you want. You can change words however you want, but it doesn't change reality. That That's, that's the problem here, and that's what we keep running into. It's the fact that you can say a man is a woman as much as you want, but it doesn't make it true. You can say a myriad of things as much and as loud as you want. You can rewrite all the books. You can do all the things that they want, 
but it doesn't make it true. And that's the problem that the ideological left runs into. This idea that you can just force your ideas, force your opinion into someone else just by saying it loudly enough or removing the things that you don't want. And by the way, as a side note, as if you're watching the video and you're looking over my shoulder and see that I have books, I have this shelf, I have other shelves in other rooms, please take note of this. Feel free to buy paper books because digital books that you have are going to be changed without your knowledge on things like this, and they're just going to change. And the actual words of the author are just going to disappear, and you will never know the difference, just as our good old friend Orwell told us that they're just going to change whatever they want. The history is rewritten, the past is rewritten, the present is rewritten, everything is rewritten until all that they want is what they have. And that's where we got. Um, let's do a little bit more War on Words. Yeah, we got time. We'll go through this, right? I mean, what else are you going to do today? Just kidding. So this is more war on words. This is from the Daily Mail. And now we are talking about science words and, and specifically medical words. So um, it, <laughs> this, this, this one is amazing. So uh, it, this is an article from the Daily Mail. It says, we need to replace female with egg-producing and avoid using the term fitness, woke scientists say, and push to get rid of harmful phrases. So scientists have called for the terms male and female to be replaced as part of a crackdown on harmful terminology in science. So again, to spell this out super clearly, if you're in science, if you're a doctor, if you're in the medical field, you cannot say male and female because that is now quote unquote harmful. It's harmful to call a thing what it really is if someone else thinks they're not that thing and just really want that to be true, even though it's clearly not true. Um, so instead, they say, use sperm producing and egg producing or XY, XX individual to avoid reinforcing societally imposed ideas of a sex binary. <sighs> I mean, I want to talk about the the, the Christian perspective on this, the, the the Christian worldview implication, but I don't even have to go that far. Just biology says that there is a male and a female. That That's just it. Any eighth grade biology textbook will tell you these things, but now we can't say these things because these things are bad. So now we have to make up these words like sperm producing and egg producing, which is super confusing because it means the same thing as male and female, only we can't say that because according to this, there's no binary in between male and female even though sperm producing and egg producing is another binary because there's only two of those things because there are only two things. Anyway, uh, also this says the terms mother, father are problematic. <laughs> oh, these poor mothers and fathers. I don't know what they are now. They're, they're not mothers and fathers. Uh, according to this, some members of the Ecology and Evolutionary Biology, EEB, language project founded by scientists in the U.S. and Canada, go Canada, wrote that much of Western science is rooted in colonialism, white supremacy, and patriarchy, which continue to permeate, permeate our scientific culture, end quote. So colonialism, patriarchy, and white supremacy caused you to be either male or female. I'm going to I'm going to need some proof on this. I'm I'm going to need some some like actual science to show me how colonialism whatever that means by the way cuz every culture in the history of ever has conquered another culture that's just how it works. I mean, look at Genghis Khan. I could go on for a long time giving you examples of people who conquered other peoples. That's just what has happened for the history of all time. 
even in the Native American tribes. They conquered each other constantly. So colonialism, whatever that means, is responsible for male and female binary. Okay. Uh, goes on to say, to address this history, harmful scientific terms should be identified and revised to foster inclusion to something. I, I don't know what the inclusion goes to, including things other than male and female, which you haven't even proposed because you still said egg-producing, sperm-producing, which is, in essence, male and female. It's still a binary. You just gave them different words because the thing that you can't avoid as much as you want to is reality. It's going to keep crashing in, I'm so sorry to say. Uh, as well as male and female, the words mother and father are criticized for perpetuating a non-universal view of parenting and birthing process. Again, you're going to have to explain to me how someone besides a mother gives birth. Because in the history of always, that's never happened. Because it's not physically possible. But we continue on, even though I don't want to at this point. I'm kind of done. Uh, it flags. Oh, this is I, I, I did highlight this. And this is really good because this this just kind of throws it all. Um, this flags survival of the fittest as a problematic term that promotes eugenics, ableism, and social Darwinism. Now, I'm going to actually agree with this. I think survival of the fittest is a terrible ideal and, in fact, not true. Uh, of course, uh, macro evolution is also not true and not possible, and they haven't shown any reason for it to be scientifically real. It requires as much faith as anything, and I would say perhaps more. But I think it's funny that this article says survival of the fittest is bad and promotes Darwinism, which it does, because that's what he said it does. And the left forever has been saying this is great that survival of the fittest is part of evolution, only now it's bad, because if you evolve to a certain place, then you can't survive because you're not fit anymore or something. And this is another, like, section of the the snake eating its own tail. It just keeps going around and eventually it's going to consume itself because you can't go down this uh, oppression Olympics far enough to avoid eating yourself, destroying yourself. If you base your foundation on random things that you've just made up that don't agree with reality, that's the problem here. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with some Bible. We're going to look at uh, Ephesians 4 because I think this is a good place to land on this. Because it talks about words, and that's what we've been talking about. Words are really, really important, and, and the reality is we, we need to understand what words do and how they interact with other words because the, it's the words that really, really show us what we do and, and show us how we can express reality. And God says things about words. He, he does talk about the fact that words are important. Words are powerful. The whole universe was created with words. And we, as children of God and made in the image of God, also have the power of words. And we need to use those words for good, not for evil. Which means you have to say what you mean and mean what you say. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. The very words of Jesus in Matthew 5. And Paul picks up on this in Ephesians 4 and says that lying is really bad. 4.25, therefore each of you must put off falsehood, lying, and speak truthfully to his neighbor because you need to say true things. It's important to say true things. It's not good to lie to one another, even if that hurts their feelings, even if it's offensive. We have to say true things. Hiding the truth is not a loving thing. There's this misconception that love means love and loving your neighbor means doing whatever they want you to do, but that's not true. Loving your neighbor means telling them hard things sometimes. 
That's the reality of it, and that's the Christian way. Not in an offensive and mean way, but but being real and being honest. That's really how we should be. Um, and, and the interesting thing about this passage in Ephesians 4 is he starts with lying, and he goes on to, uh, in your anger, don't sin. And if you're stealing, don't steal. He connects all of these things together because they are parallel in the sense that we need to do the right things, and lying is the wrong thing. Stealing is the wrong thing. Anger is the wrong thing. And then he ends it in 429 with, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Again, not in a bad way, a a malicious way, an offensive way, but we have to say the true things. It's important for us to say the true things. And that's why this is so important that we continue to do this and act bravely in the spite, in, in, in spite of this culture just saying, no, you must do what we tell you to do and say what we tell you to say. And we have to say, no, I, I can't. I have to say the truth. If that gets me fired, like this poor California teacher, uh, if it gets my books rewritten because you can't write books about this anymore, we've got to do this. We, we have to do the right thing. We have to build up. Uh, each sin, like lying and stealing and cheating and anger, needs to be replaced with something better, like the truth. As followers of Christ, we need to follow the example of Jesus, whose words were full of grace and truth, and in fact, so full of grace and truth that many, many people were amazed, Luke 4.22. Of course, we don't want to be offensive, but we cannot lie. So I hope that you go out and you tell the truth, again, not in an offensive way, but in a productive way. As always, for Church Public, I'm Matt Odegaard, and I hope that you will keep the faith. <laughs>